0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Inspired by Yarra. This is a podcast created to enhance, connect and inspire the Yarra Valley Grammar community and beyond. Wherever you're listening from today, I want to thank you for tuning in. My name's Paul Joy, I'm the Chaplain at Yarra Valley Grammar and today we're delighted to present another conversation with a Yarra Old Grammarian, a yog. We're gonna track some of their memories of their time at school and how that has impacted on their time today. I'm gonna spend some time getting to know our special guest a little bit better and then look forward to hearing of their life's adventures beyond Yarra. Now We've got a range of ways that you can keep in contact, not only through this podcast, but if you're part of the Yarra Valley Grammar Community and you'd like to stay in touch via social media. We've got Facebook and LinkedIn and Instagram and Twitter, all those things are happening all linked from the school website which is yvg.vic.edu.au. Today I'm going to sit down with Richard Nicholas from the class of 1971. And weaved into our conversation, I'm gonna ask him about his early memories of school life back in the early 1970s. Perhaps some of what have his key influences in his life throughout his journey. Gonna touch on some success in life and in business, and then we're gonna dive into what has led him to serve for so many years the wider Yarra Valley grammar community in various roles that he's had. I hope you'll enjoy this powerful conversation with Yarra Old Grammarian, Richard Nicholas from the class of 1971. I hope you enjoy it. Hello and welcome to another episode of Inspired by Yarra. And today we're delighted to be joined by Richard Nicholas from the class of 1971. Now Richard has an interesting story because Richard was here as a student at Yarra Valley Grammar in year seven, form one back in 1966, back perhaps in the very first year that Yarra Valley Grammar was a school open for students to come in. Richard welcome. Thank you. And thanks for being here and thank you for um, opening yourself up I guess for a little wander down memory lane and then we're gonna come full circle back to where you are today. What do you remember about year seven back in 1966? Tell me a little bit about the uniform.
1: Uniform was quite conservative. Mm-hmm. Um, had a cap and a badge on the cap. Used to hurt like hell when somebody went up and <laughs> hit you with the heel of so their hand. So was the that was that a
0: strategy against other people? That's you could come and go. Whack. Other
1: people getting on and off the bus. A quick whack with the heel of the hand on the front gave <laughs> you a nice brand on the forehead. <laughs>
0: It wasn't an imprint of the Yarra miter, was it? <laughs> no, no, it was just was on the, the, other side. the back of the buckle.
1: The back of the buckle. Goodness <laughs> gracious.
0: Shorts, long pants?
1: Uh, sure, well, it started in the summer. We're obviously yes. um, beginning of Feb, late January. I can't remember the day exactly. I think it was the beginning of Feb. And, uh, yep. So it was shorts, ties, um, blazers, um, and uh, long socks. Uh huh. And pulled up, of course. Pulled up long socks, so very definitely. John Pascoe was a bit of a stickler for that sort of thing, yes. so, yeah. How, how did you keep your socks up?
0: Was it the, the elastic in them or yeah, did you put a couple elast- of rubber bland, rubber bands around there? No, yeah, the, the, the uh, elastic
1: was good enough, even though I've got chicken legs, so <laughs> <laughs> the elastic was good enough.
0: Excellent. And, uh, you were in a class, we might today call it a tutor group or a home group. Do you remember how many groups of Year 7 were there? Two. Two? And about 20, 25 kids in each group? 24, I think. Yep. Yeah. All boys? Yeah. All boys. Okay. So back in the day, Yarra Valley Grammar was a boys' school?
1: Yep, yeah. Founded as a boys' school. Yeah. Changed to go in ed- partly in 1978.
0: Yes. Okay. So you had, uh, you <coughs> had left by then because you graduated in what we now know as Year 12 in 1971.
1: That's right. And uh, did you do okay? Yeah. Well, I got a scholarship to Monash and did economics politics at Monash. Excellent. Didn't finish it, but I started.
0: But you started it. (laughs) Interesting, interesting. Um, I wonder back (coughs) in the day back when you were here at Yarra, was there a particular place if if somebody was looking for you while you were here at Yarra, where would they have found you? Were you in the the science lab? Were you out on the sports field? Were you maybe sitting waiting (coughs) to speak to the headmaster?
1: Where were, where would we find you? Well, I think we've got to scale this back a little bit. There were three rows of <laughs> classrooms. There was no science labs. There was no <laughs> there was some change rooms, a school office, and I think the principal's office that was shared by the, rece- the bursar. Wow, okay. Um, that was about it. We had a classroom. Um, we moved. Um, in fact, that's testing my memory. I think we... Had all our classes basically in one classroom, which was the end of the third row. Yeah. Um, with the exception of PE and uh, outdoor sports, so we're basically classroom bound. With yes. One classroom, teachers teachers rotated around.
0: Into your room. So yeah. so you you completed year seven, you went into year eight, and by then the school grows, doesn't it? Because the new group of year seven come in, and now you, at a school you've got year seven and year eight. Yeah. And then each <coughs> year it progressively grew.
1: Yes, and it grew very rapidly. Okay. So there, there was basically non-stop building. My memory's a bit hazy about when, what came next, mm-hmm. and what the order was, but... I think in Year 8 they'd completed a couple of science labs. So for Year 8 we did have a couple of science labs next door and then we had the middle school building underway. and I think we were in that by Year 9. It might have been Year 8 but Year 9 I think. Then the administration block that's still the administration block today was built. So there was a bit of a run across the top of the school here. Um, But you've got to remember it was basically clay and grass and the grass wasn't that thick. Trees were planted. We planted a tree each in Foundation Drive in 1966 or 7 or thereabouts, um, which was one for each student. I think there's most of them are still there. There's a couple that have uh, died or fallen over, but most are still there.
0: Would you be able to take us back to your tree? Do you know it?
1: Pretty much. Yeah,
0: wow. Mm. Um, so one for each founding member, so each student who was here at the beginning... Got to plant a tree.
1: I'm, again, I'm not sure whether it was the beginning or it was for every student that was here when they did it and it might have been in year, uh, form two or something like that. It could have been foundation students, but I couldn't be sure on that.
0: I have heard a little story about um, how you looked after those trees you just went and turned the tap on and watered them, did you? Or was it more of a bucket it was the buckets. Tell me about the buckets. Did you have to look after your own or was it a team effort on looking at... Or was there a, a monitor, a duty system? How did that work?
1: It didn't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Quite simply, I think it was pretty much taken over by Jack Russell <laughs> almost immediately. Okay. So I think Jack ran to around with a, a, a thing on the back of his tractor and gave him a drink. So who's Jack Russell? Jack Russell was the founding... You've got Jack Russell Drive here which is the uh, little laneway down to the maintenance area. Jack Russell was the original groundsman of the school mm. and he pretty much did it on his own. There's mm. um, my memory. I think there was... He might have had an assistant or two at times, but Jack basically looked after the grounds and the grounds were big. Um, the, the What we call a bench of ovals, you probably still call it the bench of ovals, um, had just been a massive excavation which had left clay. There was no top saw really left, it had been cut and levelled, um, and when it rained it just got boggy, deep in water, no it just got deep in water, right, we used to wear plastic bags around our socks so that you didn't get too sodden. and you could pick your feet up.
0: Goodness me, so are you <coughs> playing sport out on there at that point or are you kicking the footy around and it just tumbles down there so you got to go and fetch it?
1: No, 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 we're playing from day one we're playing on the Harker, okay, Patterson wasn't finished then, that far end was still just, you know, clay, yeah um, at this end they got grass on the harker they actually had a turf wicket on the harker okay and um, we played football and cricket on the harker and in fact we played uh, um, right we played um, first 11 cricket on the harker it was still the, the turf wicket at that stage even yeah. though the, hu- the hu- Patterson was starting to be used for footy and so on right
0: so that, you, that was
1: the predominant area
0: do you have some uh, fond memories of playing sport out there was there a particular thing that you were known for out there?
1: Um, I don't know, particularly I enjoyed, we were cricket and football, uh, basketball in the gym, which is now Foundation Hall, um, in the interim season, but basically it was cricket and football. The thing that uh, I enjoyed um, particularly was uh, in the first year of 1966, we, uh, Kelly Emmett, uh, and John Pascoe took us on a trip to um, Sydney to play Trinity Grammar, where John Pascoe had come from. Mm-hmm. We played on their centre oval and were board, you know, boarded with families um, over the weekend. And the family I stayed with gave me a pair of pads and a pair of gloves to come back with. So uh, had a nice. great weekend and can't remember the result of the cricket, and I probably don't want to. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it was a great experience, and going up front in a, I think it was a super Viscount, a propelled plane, and we were all got a little oh. bit of a turn up in the cabin at the front. And Goodness and me, so back in the day. Quite you an exciting weekend. Go and meet
0: the pilot. Yeah, in yeah.
1: 1966. We were, air travel wasn't common No,
0: then. No. Ja. And and you made it there and back, and uh, lived yeah. to tell the tale. Indeed. That's, that's great. Um... <clears throat> you you did it mentioned that you had done reasonably well through your schooling were there any teachers who were <coughs> foundational for you that that maybe gave you a bit of a uh, maybe a chance or some encouragement along the way mention names if you if you would like to but more what did they do that that stands out for you what was their character what was their motivation
1: well number one uh, basically our class teacher for our. Uh, group in uh, Year 7. It was a bloke called Wes Blackmore. Wes Blackmore was a very charismatic bloke, big swathe of dark hair, um, uh, a lot of swagger about him. He wrote uh, a lot of notable Australian history books, was quite an academic, um, fiery temper. Um, and I think on the first day, there was a kid called Andrew Hoffman, who I think he threw up against the blackboard when he spoke when he was speaking. So nobody spoke when he was speaking after that. Um, you don't think you'd get away with that now, (laughs) (laughs) Sonny.
0: So, so tell me, what, what was discipline like? Like, you say that if the teacher's speaking, don't speak, don't interrupt. What other things were the rules that you had to abide by back in the day? Socks up, for sure.
1: Yeah, dress standards were uh, rigorously enforced. Um, I think uh, um, general manner and behaviour was there was a fair focus on. Um, there's uh, the same uh, variables within classes that there will be in any, in any era. Uh, and that probably continued in the early... The early 60s was still um, a very strict uh, in that first to middle part. The later 60s was when society was changing quite markedly and I think by the time uh, uh, Ken Jago was um, uh, head of the school um, and in between times Jock Herbert I think had filled in as uh, head while after John Pascoe left at the end of fourth form and by the, I think it was fifth form, the pre... uh, I can remember sitting in prefects' meetings, and we had hair down the you know long hair. Uh-huh. We had free free dress days, and uh, and I think in form six, I keep getting confused with mm-hmm. the year twelve form six. Yep. We were, uh, uh, we had uniforms, we had suits in those days, but I think we got a lot of free de- dress days as well. So the discipline or the the rigor had broken down a bit or become more relaxed by the late. Uh, 60s, early 70s.
0: And and do you think had had become more relaxed and that was a good outcome? Yeah. Do you think that was more speaking of the times? It was more appropriate? Very definitely. Okay.
1: I, th- I think there was, the society was looking for some progression and I think Yarra's a new school embraced it a bit um, started off very much in the mould of a trinity um, you know, probably John Pascoe's mm. Sydney trinity um, very structured, and very strictured and then uh, loosened up a little bit later in the day. Uh, when I left, we were in those days. The connections to school were thin. There wasn't an old uh, boys group at that stage, um, and we all couldn't wait to get out of here. Not on the back of we didn't enjoy our time here. It's just we wanted what was next. At 18, you got a license, and you wanted to get out there and. Uh, and in those days, uh, you didn't tend to live at home for too long. Um, you know, life was there for the living, get out there. So there was probably a, a disconnect with Yarra for quite some time after we left school until somebody, I think, after 10 years decided we should get together. OK. And we had a bit of a reunion. but um, So I don't know much about the 71 to 81 era at Yarra. I was pretty much divorced from it.
0: Yeah, I see, yes. Mm. We're definitely keen to talk some more about... Um, the the Yarra Old Grammarian community that is uh, that is uh, and the opportunities that presents But I want to take you back. You mentioned just a moment ago that you're a prefect So in form 6 year 12 you're a prefect. That's a student leader. What Mm. makes a good student leader?
1: Um I think leadership in any area of life is much the same Uh, I think uh, got to have a broader focus than yourself um, and uh, a a clear idea of what the the common goal is um, and the ability to or the um, uh, now to be able to spread that to others. Mm. Um, I was only a prefect in that year. I think there was... uh, what, a probationer, I think, in, in Form 5, and then prefect in Form 6. So there's others that had more experience at the leadership group.
0: Yes. Did you get to speak? You're, you're very articulate. Did you speak to the masses? Did you get to speak in assembly, that sort of thing?
1: It was a rarity. Okay. Uh, students, uh, I envy the students of today, the sort of exposure they have to the public and public speaking and the manner in which I'm just constantly impressed when I come here with the way that... The school leaders uh, student leaders perform and even in the junior school and the people that meet and greet and their confidence um, i don't think we had that mm. we had um we were um, being taught in a being told sense most of the time and uh, at assemblies bearing in mind that we didn't have the grand areas that we have today for assemblies we were Um, outside I think in the first year and then uh, second or third year whenever the middle school was built we had the two rooms at the end which were where everything happened school socials, assemblies, the lot and for a lot of the time you could barely fit the school in there so um, it was uh, And
0: you're squashed in on the floor in there aren't you? Yep On pretty hard floor Yep But you've got to sit and pay attention Yep very much so. Yeah. Otherwise you get a whack across oh, yeah. the back of the head. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or a, all, all
1: that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> or all a, that. a thumb on the forehead <laughs> with a, uh, with a badge yeah. in, in yeah. the rear. What, uh, what are your recollections of uh, the suburb around our school? Because you, you talk about once, back in the day, maybe it was established as a kind of Trinity-esque. And yet we're way out here in the middle of nowhere. I imagine back in the, the, you know, in the 70s. What, what's going on around the school, in terms of... Agriculture. Agriculture, what Orchards. sorts of things? Okay.
1: So we're surrounded by, as you come up Calinda Road, basically all the way up there on the right was, uh, Orchards, I think Apple Orchards, can't remember exactly. Um, and what th- is Croydon Hills was just bush.
0: Okay, there is a road there, a sealed road?
1: There's a sealed road, you yeah, Tar Sealed okay. Road. Yep. Yeah. And Calinda Road and Plymouth Road were Tar Sealed Roads, um... And the road they became the road to Warrandite, yeah. which was a tar road all the way. Um, roads like Big Boca Road were a dirt track. Mm. Um, there were, I think, two or three houses opposite the school on Kalinda Road um, on acre mm. sort of size uh, allotments. Um, where Clinda Primary is, I think that was still Orchard or Bush um, and all of Plymouth Road, uh, all of Croydon Hills was just Bush. Luther College existed. Um, Macadam Square, there was some shops there, mm. so it wasn't totally isolated, but there was nothing much in between. There was this, um, uh, there, there's, the, the houses that now back down to the top end of the school, a lot of them were there. That was part of an, a, a Croydon the established Croydon suburb, but this was in the green belt between Croydon and Ringwood. Yes. Pretty much. And so do
0: you um, grab an apple on your way to school? Is that uh, uh, a free-for-all? I had enough
1: trouble getting to school without... <laughs> 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 um, you know, it was bus, train, bus for me, so... OK, uh,
0: so where where did you grow up? What suburb are you living I in? I grew
1: up on uh, in, in Kilsyth, uh, in an area in Kilsyth, which was 10 acres upwards, a um, couple of farms around. It was basically a rural community there was yeah. two houses nearby um wasn't much else between there and murrellbark and getting to school there was a bus that came past on cambridge road that would take me to murrellbark station i get the train from murrellbark station to croydon station and the bus from croydon to the school right. so uh yeah it didn't really w- w- i wasn't walking <laughs> along the road and able to reach over the fence and uh
0: <laughs> right um so from humble beginnings, the school has grown and developed into and as you mentioned, you know, some wonderful facilities. To be able to get out there and and play sport on the facilities on the deck that we've got out there oh, now. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, have an assembly in in the George Wood Performing Arts Centre and and to be able to have the comfort and the, the facilities that we've got there is all, is all tremendous. Mm. You did do well despite Uh, The surrounds, despite the way education was done there, you managed to do quite well out of that. You said that you got a scholarship when you left Yarra to go to Monash. So, and and you...
1: To put that in context, Mm. that's a Commonwealth scholarship, which was basically, it went to um, the top, I think 30% or something in classes and that was the uh, manner of admission to university. Nobody was... Paying fees in those days, uh, yeah. basically you needed to get into that cohort to get access to a university. Yes. Um, but I, you know, uh, and there was uh, plenty better than me at Yarra, but I was in that the midst of yes. that, the middle of that cohort. So yeah. you made the cut. You made go the off cut. to university, yep. and and what are you studying? Economics, politics okay. at Monash.
0: And how many years does that take? Three years. Yep. And where does that lead? Um, well Well, you didn't finish I didn't finish why not why didn't you finish
1: well uh, restless really I did one year took a leave of absence went over did a year around the world Mm -hmm. and when I came back one thing led to another and it just didn't lead back to Monash so uh,
0: are you a better person after doing a trip traveling around the world a year to find yourself are you a better person when you come back
1: don't know about a Better person, but I think you're certainly wiser and more experienced. And I think it's um, it's very easy in Australia, in, a, in particularly in those days, being very isolated. I mean, we heard, you know, the, the fact or saw the fashions and the music 18 months, two years later here um, from Europe and America. Um, to go to actually go to Europe and America, which I did, and see what else was going on in the world was very informative. It doesn't. Uh, registered totally at the time mm-hmm. but it, it builds on you mm-hmm. and I think just looking after yourself I left here with a return ticket and 150 quid in those uh, you know pounds sterling that I traded for Australian, <laughs> Australian dollars for um, and I had some family in uh, Britain um, that I stayed with on, uh, on occasion but I was basically looking after myself I was working at jobs all the time spent three months in Europe sort of just rocking around and so uh, on yeah. so and, so, and it was, it was very, it was a growing up experience.
0: Yes, you, you do a lot of, as you say, growing up by having to look after yourself. Yeah. Um, and, and that put some, uh, foundational coping skills in that perhaps you've, you've seen or you've tried a little bit at, at school, but really when you're out in the real world, you've got to, you've got to rely on you. Yeah. Absolutely. And I dare say, even if that time away helped you realise that that course you were, had started wasn't something that you wanted to pursue, that's worth finding out as well.
1: Yeah, and it's not so much that it wasn't, it was just, uh, life has a way of taking you along Mm -hmm. and uh, after 12 months I came back, I thought I was homesick, got back, no sooner got off the plane than I felt like I wanted to go again, um, did, uh, at that stage I You know, I'd moved into a flat with my girlfriend uh, to be wife, and uh, I was realizing I had to earn some money and quick. So I had a job as a sound producer at George Patterson Advertising, you know, doing all the voiceovers for ads and music backgrounds and that sort of thing. Not overly musical, so played guitar a bit, but not overly musical, but just fell into it Mm. um, via some connections, did that for six months, and then. um, an old friend of the family who was a wheeler and dealer around town called Albert Ginza thought I'd be good in real estate so he introduced me to a sales manager of Bayview Allard in those days, a bloke called John McPhee who uh, encouraged me to have a crack at real estate and I, th- I wasn't really that keen but I thought oh well, I'll give it a go and 43 years later I'm still doing it. Okay,
0: so. okay. So you were pretty good at it. You worked it out fairly quickly.
1: Uh, well I, I learned how to become good at it over time.
0: <laughs> and, and what is it, is there something like what keeps you in that game? Like is it the first sale when you, you have that success and you've, you've changed somebody's life because you've helped them realise, you know, their dream? Or is it about uh, you know, the ability to earn lots of money? Nowadays you're, you're running your own practice. And so you've worked your way through the industry I suppose. Um, What have been some of the challenges along the way?
1: Uh, well, when I started, uh, I was very young for the industry. So that was an immediate challenge. I was up against more mature people. The average age was probably 30 plus and I was 21 or something. Um, so that was always a challenge. I think that, uh, coming back to your first point, I think to me, what you realise after a period of time, it's, it's a people business. And it, there's lots of them. It doesn't sort of matter what you're doing if you're dealing with people, then and uh, solving their problems is is what you do, and that um, can be uh, very fulfilling. Um, and uh, I think there's with any any of the professions that's basically what you're doing in mm-hmm. one fashion or another. So after you realise that, um, I was fairly ambitious at the time, so I was in my own uh, practice uh, by 1980. So um, uh, it's been going along, I've been 38 years in that now. But I had some good experience with uh, other businesses uh, as um, sales managers, so managing people again before going out on my own. Mm. Um, I think a lot of the, just relating it back to the school, I think what Yarra had going for it, um, when we came here, if you, because people came from far and wide, and they Mm. really did, there was very few people that I'd gone through primary school with, so I'd, I'd had a whole, you know, close group. At primary school and big classes and they'd all headed off to Croydon High, Lilydale High um, wherever and my parents in their wisdom decided that I should go here. I don't know how, well i sort of know how they had that contact but there was only really one other guy I knew from school and he wasn't a close friend that Mm. came here at the time. So you're starting
0: fresh aren't you? Yeah Yeah. Uh,
1: and there was a couple of others that came later um, who I was close to but they were later on in the school so it was it was very formative coming to a new school, not really knowing anybody. So you start, you want to um, call it fifty in year seven, and you better work it out mm-hmm. um, reasonably quickly, and then you build up again your friendships from there. Yeah. So that was that was formative in that sense because I think that can can sometimes not happen until you actually leave school in year 12 Mm. um if you've gone through with a group and that group generally tends to go to the next institution that's similar and there's quite a few of you you can have friends that were your friends since prep yeah yeah prep right the way through
0: and there's some strength in that but what you had to find out was how to how to interact with people and that's what you found out coming new not knowing too many people coming in at year seven and you've got to know all these new kids and you found your spot in that and then in an industry that does rely on interacting with people, you uh, were able to have those interpersonal skills that lent themselves to you being pretty good at, at real estate was the game, but people skills was actually how you play.
1: People skills is what it's all about, and I think you learn those because you have to. Yeah. Um, and, and want to, but uh, there's a lot of have to about it. I, I come out from England on a boat um, when I was six, six and a half, mm-hmm. um, we'd lived uh, for five minutes in Toorak and then 12 months or so 18 months in Hampton, so I'd already been to two different schools um, and then we moved out to Kilsyth on 10 acres in a house that was 100 odd years old mm-hmm. um, when nobody was nearby, there was one family across the road uh, and went to a school that was about a mile and a half away. Uh, from form two onwards so yeah. number of times I'm having to sort of re-establish myself and I think yeah. all that must help along the way for sure either help or hinder yeah but hopefully help that's right um, at getting you know finding your way and becoming comfortable with people and then then with you uh,
0: you mentioned in there there was a, a period of time let's call it 10 years after leaving school where uh, there wasn't a lot of contact with anybody from Yarra Valley and until all of a sudden somebody decided, actually, let's have a reunion. Let's get back people back together again. And since then, you've been fairly closely connected with the school and, and some of your old classmates and so on. What are some of those involvements that you've had? Different roles you may have played? Did you play old boys footy? Was there... I don't know are there reunions that stand out to you what, what was your what was your gig in that in those days
1: well probably put in context when I left when I say we didn't have a lot of contact we I did actually we formed a, a, a parent and student past student cricket team here that played <laughs> in the local Chandler Shield great and Chris files um, who's a close friend and has been right the way through myself and Nick Brook um, played um, cricket in that side it, it, was, it was I was only there a couple of years until I went overseas. Uh, Chris, I think, played for three or four. Um, So there was some contact there. And then we had um, contact as uh, immediate friends over time. But the general body of the the class and the people broadly that we were close to, we didn't get back together probably until that 10 years later. Uh, In the early 80s, actually, a few of us... um, Chris and Nick Brook and uh, and uh, sorry uh, Tim Newell and uh, uh, myself uh, formed a diners crew with our families and that's been together for a long time. So the kids have all grown up together. They've got a lot of connection and uh, a number of them have been to Yarra Valley as well. So mm-hmm. and some not, but a number that are out this way have. So
0: so for young people out there today who might be listening to this and, and even some older listeners who may have children of their own or, or they're in a busy part of their own life that I want to hone in on that diner's crew that idea. So was that I mean there's no necessarily no plan about that you just you find a couple of people who you enjoy their company and you say let's catch up every what every week, every month, every Six months and let's just get together and we'll try a different restaurant or we'll go to a different house each night how how does because that Connection of the families and then the kids growing up together that can be some pretty significant relationships. Very
1: significant We had there was the four four guys, uh, we uh, uh, Decided to form this diner's crew based on um, A couple of our parents who had done a similar thing and we varied it in that We made it the four couples we added a couple. So whoever's house it was at would invite a guest couple, so there was always somebody different there. There'd be ten of us. The guys would do the cooking. That was the other thing. The girls did nothing, although they were probably not. Careful. <laughs> Careful. i probably uh, not agree with that. But uh, the, the idea was that the guys did the cooking, and, uh, and therefore if it was at your house you'd do main course and somebody else would do entree, Dessert and coffee okay. and yeah. um, cheeses and that, that sort of thing. So, yeah. everybody would have a role Great. and you'd prepare and bring the food and yeah. uh, go through the evening. And we had, we started a book. So, we've actually got this leather bound book which has got a photo of the group at each dinner. And we kept that going for a long time. I think it's lapsed in more recent years, but um, it was there with the menu, the guests, and a photo. Um, that, and we did it quarterly. So, It'd be once a year at your house, yes, rotate yes. round four, and that's gone on uh, to the extent that our kids now have a junior diners, and they do a similar thing. We started having a few holidays together, and we actually have still have one that's has been going 26 years up on the Murray. Um, a, a trip together. A trip where we all yes. go, and the kids all learnt to water ski there, and, you know, kick the foot in. That's tremendous. So, yeah, there's been a lot of, it's been very valuable. I think it's been very valuable for our children. They've got a bond that's mm. quite unusual mm. and you see them in social occasions even when there's a whole other crew there, yeah. you, you even as a, an outsider, you'd pick it. There's, wow. a, there's a real connection between them all.
0: And the, your original version of the Diners Club yeah, was with Yarra Valley... Other, other other, students.
1: There's three other guys that were at Yarrow. With um, you. With me. Yeah. Wow, that's tremendous. Yeah.
0: And you still have contact today.
1: We still have diners today.
0: Right. Yeah, it's Once still a, going. Every quarter, you're, you're at, so yeah, when we. It's
1: sort of faded a bit from the every quarter. We have okay. a number of events. We have a cup day. We all get together on cup day. Again, we rotate that around. Yeah. We tend to have ad hoc events rather than a, stru- uh, a structured. Okay. Four times a year.
0: And the last time it was at your place, what did you cook?
1: Oh, you're testing my memory there. I think a, I think a beef Wellington from memory. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and of course, your uh, your wife did nothing.
1: Um, no, we've, we've we've dropped that charade. <laughs> <now>. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, that's terrific. Um, and those friendships that that were established and connections from your school days continue, and it has impacted your children and families and so on that's that's marvelous. What other ways are you involved uh, or have been involved as a, as a Yarra old grammarian in the wider Yarra community?
1: Um, well I, I was president of the past Student Association as it was called then they're now old grammarians um, I think for about 20 years from the early 90s um, so had a fair bit of involvement in that and that was at a stage where, it was um, uh, Norm Mags and Les Christie had founded the uh, Old Grammarians in 1989, I think. And I think an early president was Rod Penaluna for a couple of years. And then I took over from Rod and uh, uh, from about 94, for 18, 20 years, something like that. And that was a stage where we just tried to band it together. Trying to get people yeah. um, involved, and we ran business breakfasts in the town. The school was very supportive, particularly Neville Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Um, we had um, uh, a number of um, events and back to school days. Then the golf day started. Um, so there's been there's a fair bit of interaction mm-hmm. with uh, past students there, trying to claw people back and look uh, out the database. And, and uh,
0: yes, and what what's the You you, you mentioned business breakfasts and and golf days and what's the purpose of coming together trying to keep those, we'll call them Yarra Old Grammarians now. Yeah. What what's the benefit of that? Or why would, why would, why do we need a president? Why do we have groups of people who try and bring that group together? What's the, what's the long-term goal?
1: (laughs) Well, um, I suppose there's a number of long-term goals. One, there is um, a lot of comfortable connection with people that you've been through school mm. with, um, and it's a, you know, it's sort of a measure of life as you go along too, seeing where people go, how they go, mm. having um, um, the interaction with them. I mean, some people take it a step further and it becomes networking from a business perspective. I don't think that was ever... My primary focus, but I think, you know, there's a mm. lot of interaction on various levels. Um, the sporting uh, groups, the, the connection, the yeah, Bush Rangers footy club, my son played there at length. I well, was a bit too old and too ordinary and too bad in the knees to have a crack at that, but uh, uh, that's been a great... Connector of um, the guys after they've uh, and girls after they've left school. Mm. Uh, we thought that it was that providing forums in which people could get together and continue relationships and enhance them, uh, mm. and particularly also a relationship with the school. Because underlying it all, this is a you know a fragile institution in one way, it's as good as the foundations that it's built on and the foundations that it's built on are the people that have been through it. It's the community that's been here, the people that have been here and their connection to it and feelings for it and interaction are, uh, with it are going to be a foundation for sup- uh, the support support of the school but um, uh, probably on both fronts um, um, uh, from a community point of view and also in time from a monetary point of view, um, giving the school the ability to expand um, and have some security. Uh, so there's, there's that side of it, and that's probably um, the side that, that uh, would um, provide some sort of guarantee that this place will be here in another hundred years. Mm. Because there is no guarantee of that. It's a private institution. It's not guaranteed. It doesn't have a right to be here. The government aren't going to come and prop it up tomorrow. So unless there is a family and there's a connection and there's a feeling for the school Mm. and it's ongoing, um, it's at risk.
0: Mm. Fascinating. We uh, um, have the pleasure of speaking with uh, Richard Nicholas from the class of 1971, who is speaking with pride about his uh, days as a student here and, uh, and... with humility and yet a sense of pride about his life after school and uh, and the connections that are still part of it. And uh, Richard fascinated to uh, continue chatting with you if you've got a little bit longer of your time. Um, I wonder, because you're still involved indeed as uh, as a board member, you've been involved at a board, at board level for a very long time. Tell us a little bit about that and, and why you might choose to function at that level as part of our school community
1: it's like those things in life paul uh i nick brooke uh, was invited to join the board here and he uh about five minutes later thought I'd be a good candidate and he uh, sent me over to have a talk with John King, who was the chair then, and the next minute I was on the board. Uh Uh, That's um, uh, 24 years ago and uh, my role as a director just ended a couple of weeks ago uh, after that period of time um, and uh, that um, won't sever my connection with the school. I'm still a member of the school company and uh, I've... um, I'm still at uh, the school's pleasure. If I put it that way.
0: Fantastic. And there is actually there's a, a, a building here that sports your name.
1: Uh, Nick's name and my name. Yeah. Yes.
0: Now I have a friend who uh, sounds a little bit like the relationship that you have with Nick and and that is if they wanted us either of us to be involved in something they'd go and tell the other one well he's doing this and they'd at the same time come and tell me and said well he's gonna do that and so both of us would go well if he's doing it I'll do it. And it sounds like Nick pulled you into the board in that way just said if this is a good idea you jumped on board and uh, and some 24 years later, 24 years of service you've seen the school change and evolve over that time and uh, a variety of leadership styles and and but we're still in that building phase aren't we. We love buildings here and we've got some tremendous buildings on the go at the moment. One of them that I'm uh, very uh, encouraged by, is we're building a new library currently. And then just sitting atop the library, is a chapel. We're uh, building a new chapel, which I'm very excited about. <laughs> um, and that takes me to um, Levavi Oculus. Do you remember what that
1: means? Lift up my eyes.
0: Lift up my eyes. I wonder if I present that term to you today. What, what does it mean to lift up your eyes?
1: Open your eyes to others and to the possibilities that the world and your country and your your, your environment provides. Mm. Uh, look further than uh, um, the next war. Yeah, <laughs> or absolutely. Down at, or down at your feet. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I was. It was. It, it continues on. Um, let's lift up thine eyes unto the hills. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, about having a broader vision, basically.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and that idea, we've talked a little bit about connection with other people and and the ability to to engage with other people, that requires you to to look beyond yourself and to be yes. interested in other people and uh, and along the way perhaps to to sell them a home or to engage with in just in conversation. It doesn't have to be business related, doesn't have to be about uh, your own business or, or their future but just be interested in the person who you're with at the time. Yeah, More so than just All about yourself or looking at your own toes as you say.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. What's next
0: for yourself? You're uh, by the sounds of it coming to an end of um, at least a formal involvement at board level. Does that open up some space in your life for other endeavours? What's, what's on the horizon? What's something whether it be Yarra related or not, what's something that's exciting you at the moment?
1: Um, Well, life excites me pretty much. Uh, uh, I'm involved with other boards, so I've got other commitments as well that I'm pretty keen on and -hmm. and involved in, and I'll probably take on a a greater role um, in one of those. Uh, I I get a lot of satisfaction from community involvement. Um, I'd like to think I give a bit, but I get a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I always continue on with that. Um, I'm involved with Bendigo Community Bank, uh, who in, in return a lot of money to the community and support various endeavours. So that's something that I'm pretty keen on. We've got good connection with all the local community groups, um, you know, from uh, Rotary and Footman and Lions Club and so on, as well as sports groups and. Uh, 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 community groups of all sorts mm. in sheds, the whole lot and mm. try and support as much as we can um, so I value that um, I'm pretty much excited by everything that comes in front of me and, and uh, look forward to the next trip, the next adventure the next whatever yeah. Um, yeah, that's what life's all about I think
0: Richard Nicholas, definitely one of the good guys the legacy that you have left here I, in this school community and by the sounds of it in the wider community through your, your work um, is, is tremendous and, and certainly a lot to be proud of and, and I, you're a humble man and yet you ought to be very proud of uh, of what you've uh, what you've been up to and how you've uh, impacted the lives of so many people. I wonder, is there, can you um, give us the secret to your success? What is it that motivates you or that keeps getting you up in the morning what is it about is it a philosophy on life is there a a mantra that you live by is there a quote that uh, has inspired you that is there maybe there's a morning routine that you go through every day that gets you up and about and ready to tackle the challenges of the day
1: well back to the beginning I think a lot of a lot of what you are comes from your parents um and you know why well Two parents, both with a very strong work ethic, and uh, mum, particularly, with a very strong community involvement, um, and uh, that was bred into us fairly young. But I think also back in those uh, days and times when I was younger, there was a lot of motivation to get out there and have a go because there was no easy path, um, and uh, we were fairly remote out here in those days, and um, there wasn't. The idea was people were out and about from 18 onwards it was, there's none of this, we'll stick around home till we're 25 or 30 and see what opportunities come up. It was get out there and get into it. So you sort of had two choices. A lot of, um, a lot of that is, circum- a lot of those things are circumstantial. You, you're, you're out there, you have a go, and the next minute one thing leads to the next and yeah. suddenly you look back and say, I'm 65 this year.
0: Right, <laughs> right. And a life very well lived.
1: So far, I've enjoyed it, Paul. Thank Excellent. you. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. That's
0: great. Um, Richard Nicholas, it has been a pleasure. From the class of 1971, so many uh, lessons and life lessons that you've shared with us today, not only of your life at Yarra and what that has led to and continues to impact, but also your uh, your role in your own family, in, in your marriage and in the wider community, it's, it's tremendous. So <laughs> we are thankful for the time that you've given us today and uh, delighted to have you as a, a, a member of the Yarra Old Grammarians, has uh, continues to give back and thank you for your inspiration. And it seems to me yours is a life that has been inspired by Yarra. So we give you our thanks. Thank you Paul. And that wraps up another episode of Inspired by Yeah. I hope you found it as interesting a conversation as I did when I was right here in the midst of it. We've got a unique set of show notes about this conversation with Richard Nicholas today. And you can find that in the community section on the website, yvg.vic.edu.au. So if you go in there and find the community section... Then you've got a whole lot of information in there about how to stay in touch with our wider community events and happenings and the links to this podcast as well. From in there in that community section, you can go back and see other episodes of this Inspired by Yarra podcast that we've done. And would love you to get in there and uh, dig deep into the library of great conversations that we've got there. I hope you'll join us next episode when we sit down with another yog to see how they've been inspired by Yarra. To make sure that you don't miss any of our upcoming conversations you can subscribe via itunes or apple play or via your podcast player app and i look forward to sharing more with you then don't forget we are active on social media and uh, certainly if you look in on facebook or linkedin we're there on instagram all launched from the yvg.vic.edu.au website this is paul joy and on behalf of everyone here at yarra i wish you another wonderful day of inspiration where you can make a positive impact in the world around you.